I Robot. Yes. Is that like a? <laughs> what is the title? I Robot. Is that like a mentally challenged robot? <laughs> <laughs> I Robot, or is it a caveman robot? I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't really know. Uh, what was it, Asimov thinking there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been forever since I've seen that that uh, Will Smith movie. I don't know if they if it gets like kind of explained in there, but yeah, I'm reading the book titled I Robot, and it's n- nothing like that. And I mean, not in the normal way of like whenever it's like something gets adapted, it's um artistic liberties. Taken. Yeah, no, this is just completely different. Like that was because everybody had like uh had a robot. It was almost kind of like that butler and whatever. And the one robot kills its owner. Or so they think that's like the mystery they're trying to figure out, and like, you know, AI is getting wills, and then like, and then just the whole whole kind of thing, and like Will Smith's very against robots, you know, he like, he hates robots, and he's a cop, so he gets the case for the mur- like the murder case, and you know, and, and it's all that. But the book so far is like the older lady who is like in charge of uh, it's like a. Uh, uh, like Robots USA or something like that is the name of the 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 co- corporation that's like you know making all the robots and is like being interviewed from this person from the news and like each chapter is like a different chunk maybe like a fifteen twenty page story of a time period throughout the years of like the of robots slowly and just like and it's weird too because. What that book was like, I think in the seventies or something like that, like yeah. late seventies or like so. It's set in the future, so they're like, oh, uh, in the nineteen nineties, whenever robots, and like the <laughs> early two thousands. So it's kind of weird reading it now with those time reference, like you know what I mean. Like so, the first story is like the very like simple robots. They don't like they don't they don't speak or anything like that, but you know they follow all the rules and stuff like that. And this little girl who is, like, its best friend, Robbie. Robbie the robot. And they just love it. And the mom doesn't like it. So she eventually gets the robot taken away against the daughter's will. And the dad's like, I don't see the problem with it. Because, you know, he's a dad. He doesn't care. And then so the girl just gets, like, super depressed. And, like, so to try to take her mind off it, they they take a trip to, like, New York. And then it, it does okay, but you can tell she's still upset. And then so they thought, well, maybe if we take her to the factory, because there's like a factory that makes robots that's nearby, and they do tours. They're like, oh, well, maybe if we take her to see that, she'll understand more that it's not a person. Person, yeah. it's like a machine. So when they go do that tour, they're taking a, they're going through one section of it. Off in the distance, she sees Robbie. That's where it got sent to after the dad like returned it or whatever to do whatever this machine work is. So she gets so excited and she just runs off. But for like, you know, like kids, they can just boat off before their yeah. parents even realize what's going on. And some like machinery or something was going to come down and hit her, but everybody was too far away to do anything. But Robbie notices her, you know, when she screams for him and is able to, because he's a robot, able to speed up enough to save, save her. her and stuff. So then. They take the mom reluctantly takes the robot back into the house, and they keep him until she's about like fifteen or so, and because like that's kind of when like the next step of like the robot evolution went on, and then in, like the second chapter, 
Sex bots. Sex bots. Oh. I haven't finished it yet, but it's about like using robots in space to like mine for material and, and yeah. things like that. Uh, not what I was expecting. Doesn't sound like a narrative. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's probably one that's going to unfold, but if it's just stories about how the robots came to be. Yeah. Now, granted, this is the, uh, I do believe this is the first book within like his like series of robot books. Oh, I didn't know there was a series. Yeah, there's like a couple of different books, and then there's like another collection, like short stories. I think it's just like he kind of like writing right about robots. Because when I was looking it up, uh, Asimov was actually like a professor of uh, like biomechanics or something like something like that. that. Yeah, um, he was or a a professor or something something like that. He's kind of like the like the H.G. Wells type. Like he was smart, like he wrote, but he was also smart enough to like know a lot of the stuff. So what I'm thinking is maybe that story that the movie's probably loosely based off is just one, one of the stories w- in the book, or one or one of the other books, like one of the uh, other, like full books, but like the I Robot is like kind of like the catchy kind mm-hmm. of like title and what people probably know. Hmm. But I, I I'm enjoying it too, so far. I really haven't had uh, time to really like dive into it too much, but like the little bits that I'm getting to read, I, I've been enjoying it. How disappointing is it, though, that all these old sci-fi stories set in the 90s and 2000s with this cool technology? Yeah, we're nowhere And now we're 23 years or up to 30 years in the future from when these stories take place. And we're just looking back and saying, we got, like, smartphones and we get to, like, talk to people and yell at them. Mm. And we got social media. Cool. Uh, It makes me feel just as bad as whenever I'm reading an older book that deals with issues and to- topics that should no longer be an issue now, but are still, still or if not worse, <laughs> that, like... I but, honestly never thought The Handmaid's Tale would start to become a reality yeah. in this country. And holy shit, it, real quick, in one year, we're pushing it. Or just just like I said, like last year, uh, that uh, Greg Rucker book I read, uh, Keeper, and like it all deals around like abortion, and it was like mid to like late 90s that book came out and again like 20 over yeah. 20 years later not only is it like a an issue but it's a re- it's it's worse than ever before like with just everything that's going on around that like yeah it is poopy going back to uh, Asimov though I I have that his foundation trilogy I've been wanting to read I, I'm you know what we'll save this for the episode this is gonna be a DBS episode because I don't want a 20 minute intro yeah so, folks, stick around, and we'll talk about probably books and things and things nonsense. that you probably really care about for another twenty-three minutes. Listen, <laughs> folks, get you a fine cognac <laughs> or a spliff or meth or whatever it is that helps you relax. Probably not meth. Maybe if you want to clean the house. Maybe get on the treadmill. Get on the, the treadmill. Whatever the, the it is the you do, you can just put us in, this episode. Just put us in the background. Yeah. That's all. You don't really have to listen to, listen intently. We don't have a guest. Yeah. We're not talking about deep subjects. Just chill and let us be your voice that puts you to sleep. It's been a day today. Yeah, I just want to go to sleep to your <laughs> voice. That's her, my oh. voice. Oh, God. And things are nightmares. Welcome to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Malaysian Man Molester Church. Oh, hey, hey, oh. 
pick that out real quick. That's not. I thought I'd just slide it no. on in real quick and you wouldn't notice. No. I feel like I might have used man molester and probably Malaysia, but I'm my brain ain't functioning too good today. I don't like that one at all. Fine, we'll go intergalactic. You could be the Martian Mandible Muncher Church. You're oh. munching mandibles, which is interesting because mandibles are what's used to munch. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're just eating spiders or something. So you're eating a mouth. Yeah. But like a bug mouth. Mm. Like a big bug mouth. Like a giant <laughs> ant from Mars. I don't I don't know. We were just talking about sci fi in the intro. Yeah. I don't know. Oh boy, my nipples are hard and Whoa. I am unerect. Whoa. What's the opposite of erect? Flaccid. Yeah. But I wanted something more like cool. Direct? Direct. I'm direct. Uh, what were we talking about? Unwrecked. Unwrecked. Ooh, that just sounds that sounds <laughs> yeah. a little different. That sounds like pre NASCAR. Like I was unwrecked. <laughs> then I got in the number thirty three and went around the bend too quick. So Spencer, in the intro, we were talking about uh Isaac Asimov. Yes. And I said I wanted to read the Foundation trilogy and I've been meaning to. I'm having an issue here. All right. So I've been getting the craving to read some different literature now because mm-hmm. I'm reading all this heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. So once I'm done, I really, really want to re reread the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. And The Hobbit. Yeah. I'll read The Hobbit. Yeah. So four books. Really want to go back to those. And that's actually going to lead up to a question I have a little bit later for you. But a part of me really wants to... Actually, there's two parts of me. I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm <laughs> you're, splitting you're, up. you're man divided. You know what? I'm fucking... I don't know what's happening... But it's not good. For some reason, last night, all of a sudden, I just thought, I forget. should get really deep into Russian literature and just read all oh. the Russians in one year. It's like, maybe next year I'll do War and Peace, Anna Karenina, Brothers Karamazov, The Idiot, and just like, I know that's very depressing. I, just, I don't know why you want to do these things to yourself. Kim, Kim it, it's not your fault. It's, it's not your fault. Kim. I know, man. I know. I, just, I know, man. I know. But before I even get to that, I do think I need to read something that you might actually enjoy. I want to go into my Conan books. I I mean, we read the one collection, and I, so I read most of them, but I had that bigger collection. Oh, I has, thought you read that already. Well, there, there's like gold Conan, silver Conan, bronze era Conan. Like, I don't know. There's different ones. I didn't read that big one yet. Just mo- like ones we read. I don't think I read all those. Maybe I did. Regardless, I have like all those other collections, like Call and... Yeah. Uh, that that sailor guy like i have a whole bunch of robert e howard collections so i want to go back to those i have those elric and melnibane books a whole bunch of those i have like fucking four volumes now and i still have a couple more books in the lord of the rings universe i want to read Uh, i have like the untold tales and a couple other things so maybe instead of like going back to the lord of the rings maybe read some of those yeah like yeah you know just so you're you're in the universe but you're not retreading ground i was all uh, thinking of that as well also i would like to touch upon some of these sci-fi things so i'm thinking maybe a year of just sci-fi and fantasy nonsenses. yeah just completely the opposite of this year and then the following year go into the super so, so you're gonna you're gonna have a spencer year of reading i think so but spencer since you brought yourself up because you always do your narcissistic yeah. fuck oh you bitch I, i'm just on you bitch a lot i feel <laughs> like that's cool now to say on the air, you but, bitch. Well, I gonna say I think it depends. Like, in like, if you're like bitch, or if you're like bitch, bitch. If I'm just like bitch, stone face, <laughs> not so much. Um, so I have a question to propose to you, Spencer. Okay. And I already know the answer for you. Okay. But 
I've heard this question asked on the Hardcore Literature podcast, and the answer was what I expected from uh, Benjamin McAvoy, who hosts that. But it got me thinking because my answer is going to be the same as yours mm. for now. Okay. Like I just said how I wanted to reread The Lord of the Rings that comes into this. If you had the choice, you can either reread anything that you've ever read for the rest of your life. That's all you can read is the books you've already read, comics included, everything that you've ever read in your life, but you can never read anything new. Mm. Or you can only read new and never reread anything that you've read in the past. My immediate response is is to go with new. Yes, because there's so much we haven't read yeah. yet. Yeah. No, but though I do look back and this is just the stuff that I remember reading going I it's a good library. Yeah. It's a good like, like you know what I mean? Well, put it this way, because uh Benjamin McAvoy was team reread and his his idea was very solid because he's a big Shakespeare fan, so he's like I live in a world where I can't read Shakespeare anymore. It's like no. I can't do that. And then like his favorite books, because that's like his whole thing is rereading his favorite books. Mm. He is about quality, not quantity. So he might not even though he's read a billion things any more than us. Mm. But his whole thing is, you know, if you love Ulysses, you read it and then you read it every year or a couple times a year to get things out of it. And, you, just, you know, just really enjoy a book. But I was thinking up till now, I've never gone back and really reread too much stuff. I'm yeah. always like, oh, keep pushing, get the new thing. I want to read, you know, there's so many authors I want to read. But now I'm thinking, I'm not there yet. Right now, it would still be new stuff because there's more new stuff than old stuff. But now I'm thinking like, well, you know, so no Lord of the Rings for me. Can't go back and reread those. Can't read any of those John Steinbecks I love. You can't yeah. read any Stephen King that you haven't read. Yeah, That's tough. And then I don't even think about like your comic stuff. Like you couldn't go back and read any graphic novels right, of anything yeah. that you really enjoyed. Like there's just so many things I have really enjoyed. Couldn't go back and read the hike, for instance. I mean, like if somebody, like if some, like wish cat cast a spell, and I couldn't, like you know, you open up a new book and it's just blank or words are just every letters are everywhere. Yeah. I wouldn't be like upset because, like I said, especially for me, like unlike you, the majority of everything I've read, I've wanted to read. Or enjoyed reading, yeah. like you know what I mean, because that means you could go and you could reread the, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jerusalem again if you if you if you really wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, um, by the way, Ashley sent me a fucking picture because he works in the library now. He sent me. He told me there's like a DVD collection of Jerusalem audio, and then he sent oh. me a picture, and I think it was either 15 or 19 CDs. Oh wow! And he's like, I'll send it to you. I was like, Fuck you! No, you're not. <laughs> no, you will not. Who's reading that thing? It's not Alan Moore. But anyway, uh, that is a tough one, though, just because, like, I look at my bookshelf, and there are a lot of things. I think to myself, am I ever even going to get back to those? But then I think, I love those books. I really should. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone told you you couldn't go back and reread your favorite stuff, right now, where we are, it'd be like, oh, that sucks, but, you know, whatever. But I think in, like, 15, 20 years, we'd probably go back and, like, it's easier if you said movies. Yeah. Would you rather only be able to watch new movies or just go back to all the movies you love and watch those over again? I'm going with the old ones. Yeah. Because there's just there's so many that I just can't live without that I, even when I had the choice now to watch a new movie or watch an old movie, a lot of times I'll watch the old one just because I'm like, oh, I love this, you know? And it's also weird, and I don't know if it how it transfers to books, but I do feel like when it comes to like movies and shows... Now, for the most part, 
like the quality is not that, yeah. that you know maybe the shows because you know you got all these different streaming stuff and and stuff like that but like a lot of movies nowadays it's like I, that doesn't it doesn't matter yeah like you know you wouldn't be able to, to go and watch like seven again or clerks or uh, uh, yeah, yeah star wars or you know but, iron man but i mean are books really that much different not really we're gonna get to the point where we not only want to reread the stuff that we've read, but I feel like we're already at the point where we're talking about like, hey, you know, I'd like to read that again just because mm. I really enjoyed it. Or I want to read that again, even though I want to read, I don't know, let's say The Stand for you. I want to read The Stand again because I think you brought that up when I read it. You're like, I'll read it again. Yeah. Because it's been so long since you read it. Yeah. Like we're getting to the point in our, that's what I'm trying to say. We're getting to the point in our little reading career here, reading journey, where we're far enough removed from the early books we've read that it would be like almost a new book for us. Yeah, because it's been so long. And then also too, um, I've heard them talk about on other, you know, writing or just reading, you know, literature podcasts where they like, sometimes a book, it hits you different, you know, if you read it when you were a kid and then if you read it when you were like a young adult and then like you're older. Yeah. It could be different for each time that you've read it, you know, just because of everything that's gone on in your life and just where you're at, you know, and, and all that stuff. That's why I wish I would have read Lord of the Rings when I was a kid, because I think I would have had a lot different feelings when I was an adult. I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much as a kid or I might have enjoyed it more. Uh, a good example of what you're talking about is The Catcher in the Rye. Obviously not our generation, but the people who grew up with The Catcher in the Rye it hit them real hard. And then a lot of people I've heard in like that classic lit group were in when they read it as an adult, uh, it usually didn't hit the same. And then maybe when they read it another 20 years later, they either liked it again or they really hated it. Yeah. Uh, for us as adults, we're not, you know, the demographic for that book. So I just I didn't like it. Well, we, we were kind of talking about that about uh, with Blood Meridian. Yeah, like, maybe we're just maybe, not the right time. Yeah, maybe life, like, maybe. you know, another 20, 30 years from now when we get really old and crotchety, <laughs> yeah. and then we, we'll be able to crack that thing open and just be like, yes, this is great. Yep. When life beats us down a little more, maybe we're too optimistic <laughs> still. We oh, need, my God. We need that last little twinkle of hope pulled from our ass, and then, <laughs> you know, and then we can go ahead and enjoy Blood Meridian to its fullest. Oh boy! But I, uh, but uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Where you, you had more on on about that. I was just gonna say because uh, yeah, I didn't know if you want, wanted to go back to the uh the foundation series, or I didn't know if that was just all tied into what you you know what I mean. I don't really remember what the foundation trilogy is about. Me neither. I don't really know what what it's about either. I kind of wanted to check it out, but I figured Stacy read it and she said it was a kind of dry, but it was good. But uh, but I figured like the how uh, is his writing? I mean, you're only a couple chapters in, but how is his is his writing? Is it dry or? I no, I don't think so. Uh, at least I don't. It don't feel that way for me so far. But that that's what I kind of figured that would be like a good introductory into his like you know writing. Yeah. Here, let me bring up a synopsis and then we can see if it's for us. Because I only got it because they had Barnes and Noble fancy editions. So yeah. I get all the, you know how I feel about those. Foundation begins a new chapter in the story of man's future. As the old empire crumbles into barbarism throughout the million worlds of the galaxy. You know I love barbarism. That's why yeah. I like Conan so yeah. much. I'm a big fan of barbar. And this seems to be if it's space bar- barbarism. Can I go on a quick tangent? I'm gonna. I don't even know why I ask at this mm. point. Listen, Spencer. I'm listening. Robert E. Howard had this notion that I think we talked about when we did the Conan books uh, 
We covered all the stories in the collection, didn't we? Yeah, I think in, so, the, yeah. in that collection. A yeah. big-ass collection. That must have been a lot of episodes. His whole thing, just to reiterate for those who haven't listened to those episodes, was barbarism versus, uh, I don't know, being civil or whatever modern society is, even at the time when he was around, but especially now. You have like the polite society, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't show aggression in public, you can't, you know, whatever. We have a certain way we have to act. But the barbarism, which Ron Robert E. Howard was a big fan of, big fan of, was essentially say you're in court and you didn't do it and they're saying you did it. You just fucking, if you can cleave them in the head and kill them and get away with it, like before they kill you, then you're, you're good. I didn't kill this man, and to prove it, I would kill this man. But could you... Now, now hear me out. Hear me out. Could you imagine, say, you're in the grocery store, and someone's acting up, being an asshole, cuts in front of you, calls you an mf and you fucking kung fu chop him, and then... You know what? You Ric Flair chop him to death. To death? To death. Everyone's watching. You rip a fucking handle off a shopping cart, and fucking Ric Flair chop him in the chest to death. In front of everybody, but since we it's a rule of barbarism, and everyone's like, "Well, she must have deserved that." Yeah, <laughs> you just went with she. Yeah, well, this is the people that act up, but I guess in the rule of barbarism, I don't think it was necessarily polite to just beat a woman to death. Yeah. So we'll use a man, man on man action. Yeah, you know, yeah, the way you like it. So a man beats another man to death because they have a dispute. Maybe it's a road rage incident, but they're both at fault. Whatever. Uh, whoever wins just gets to go scot free, and the other guy gets to be dead. <laughs> So pretty much the rules of barbarism. If you're a barbarian, what I'm getting at, Spencer, I know I ramble a little bit today. Which one do I vote for? <laughs> no. I feel like if you could just beat someone to death at any time for being an asshole. No, it has you to wouldn't be have to do it. You wouldn't have to do it. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, you wouldn't have to do it because it wouldn't be warranted if you didn't act like an asshole. Mm-hmm. So if you're acting like an asshole, you ha- you understand the consequence that you can get beaten to death with the fucking shopping cart handle. Ric Flair style. Yeah. You can put into the figure four until your legs break and then you're a paraplegic. This will happen to you if you act this way. But if you're just polite, now barbarism, obviously, just like polite society, it can go too far. We have, you know, too far. Now you have to be politically correct about everything. Can't hurt anybody's feelings. Barbarism would go too far where all of a sudden you just we got Viking. Yeah, we got Viking shit and we don't even do anything. Somebody just wants your shit and they beat you to death. And then it's just the, you know, survival of the fittest. So whoever's the strongest will beat you to death and take your shit. That's over the line. Yeah. But if we lived in a society where it's like, hey, if you act like an asshole, think about like even the early days of the U.S. If you act like an asshole and be smart my character, I challenge you to a duel. Polite society barbarism. I shoot you, you shoot me. Whoever dies first. We Rochambeau for it. We kick each other in the nuts. Whoever (laughs) doesn't get up. Like, you know, there's, there's ways to handle it that I think we could go back to. I think America and the world in general would be a better place if people understood that if you act out of line too hard, somebody could punch you in the mouth and there will not be consequences for them punching you in the mouth. You can't sue them if you are an asshole. So say you throw a drink on someone and they knock you out, you can't sue them. But now we live in a society where somebody could burgle your house and if you hit them with the baseball bat, you can still get sued. The only argument, or maybe it's just me playing devil advocate, is that... It's fine and dandy when, like you said, it's just like throwing punches or an ass whooping. Well, we have guns now, so that yeah. kind of negates the yeah. whole problem. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're kind of almost sounding like the- The purge uh, is what we're getting at now. Is the, um you you know, is the is those right-wing Republicans, but if everybody had a gun, everybody would be safe because everybody got a gun. 
you wouldn't act up if everyone Everybody had a gun. Here. Or you just have shootouts. Okay, You know, we did have a time period in American history called the Wild West where everyone had guns. guns. And guess what people did? Just shot each other. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's not the best solution. But and I, there was a lot less people back then. Can you imagine now? Yes, I can. It would be ridiculous. Foundation begins a new chapter in the story of man's future. As the old empire crumbles into barbarism throughout the millions worlds of the galaxy, Harry Seldon and his band of psychologists must create a new entity, a new entity, the foundation dedicated to art, science, and technology as the beginning of a new empire. I'm starting to think this guy was a smarty pants. This yeah. has off character. Ooh, this is bigger than I thought. I, when you hit the more button, it's, yeah, like it's a, a lot more page comes up. Foundation and Empire describes the mighty struggle for power amid the chaos of the stars in which man stands at the threshold of a new enlightened life which could easily be destroyed by the old forces of barbarism. So barbarism sounds like it's going to be bad. Yeah. So he, I don't think an Asimoth isn't Robert E. Howard team barbarism. He's team art, science, sophistication, which I am. That's the duality of man. Duality of Caleb. <laughs> Caleb wants a world where we could just all talk and be civil and it would be all academics and books and reading and uh but Caleb also <laughs> wants, a wants a whooping ass if need be. Caleb, al Caleb also has the side where lifting heavy ass weights and whooping ass <laughs> and dropping elbows <laughs> and fucking guys punching each other in the face in a cage. Uh, it's it's rough. You can't have both, can you? Right now we are, but it's like it's very delicate. It, well, you see, you get dummies in the street getting beat up by professional <laughs> MMA fighters and stuff. I digress. Second Foundation follows the Selden plan after the first Empire's defeat and describes its greatest threat, a dangerous mutant strain gone wild. What you gonna do, brother? The mutant strain goes wild on you. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Which produces a mind capable of bending men's wills, directing their thoughts, reshaping their de desires, and destroying the universe. I would love if Macho Man Randy Savage well, was, was in this. I was just gonna say, I think a new bit has to be you reading book summaries yeah, <laughs> throwing in wrestling and yeah as wrestling like you know wrestling impersonations i like that idea name a book and i will do that name any book any book any book you, your heart desires uh do, the more classic literature the better probably i would say do do one of your uh, uh poe uh books or stories or something edgar allen poe all right i'll just type in his name and see what comes up because i feel like that could be interesting do, do, do. Have the Raven described by uh, Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> I can't do a Dusty Rhodes voice. <laughs> you got a bicycle. <laughs> oh, I remember this. Oh, this is going to be hard. Oh, there's so much French. Here, I'm going to do the Raven. This is hard, too. <laughs> I can't. I don't, think I, I, I don't think I should do the whole thing in a wrestler. I should just pick out parts and make that wrestling. Whatever you feel. He's the one doing it. And Gustav Dor, one of the most prolific and successful book illustrators. Oh, that's a fucking illustrated edition. Spencer. Ooh, the fall of the House of Usher. Mm. That sounds like something good. I like that one. A faithful friend, Ethan Powell, responds to an urgent summons from a childhood acquaintance. He finds himself a solitary guest in the foreboding, inscrutable Usher mansion. A mysterious ailment has possessed Hoderick Usher. Lord of the Manor, which has resisted all medical treatment and threatens to extinguish the line of Usher forever. I almost feel like this would be a good warrior, ultimate warrior oh, yeah. kind of thing. Yet, a darker enigma faces Powell, and the further he probes, the more obscure and horrifying, horrifying 
seen is the truth. Can you handle the truth? Do you know the truth? On a mountaintop and the winds rasping loudly and the howling of the winter storm. And then the blades cut you deep into the core. Sebenser, the core. Mm, building to its heart-stopping climax. This classic tale of the macabre by the American author Edgar Allan Poe. It climaxes. And when I get in that ring with Hulk Hogan, I'm going to climax all over the place. I'm going to climax on the ropes, and I'm going to throw them on the ropes. And oh yeah, when the warrior goes wild, and all the extraterrestrial aliens come down from the United States of Armenia. Like, he just rambled. I never understood any of his promos. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. And then he had a heart attack. And <laughs> that was the end of the warrior. Uh, he was crazy till the end. See, Macho Man's a good one because he at least was spoke normal words mm-hmm. in a way that you could understand. The Ultimate Warrior. And folks, if you think that was just nonsense, <laughs> it was. But go read it alt- or listen to an Ultimate Warrior promo. I never understood any of it. Well, even like uh, even during like the interviews, the uh, Mean Gene, you could just see him holding the mic, just like what the fuck is <laughs> going on. And you got the heart of a lion and the legs of a gazelle and you spring in that ring. Guess what happens, Spencer? What? You get pinned one, two, but the three doesn't happen because you got to have the warrior to get the three. And if you're not a warrior, you'll never get that three. And Hulk Hogan, you're no warrior. And then 20 minutes of that. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't like this guy. Nipples are too erect. (laughs) He's so sweaty. What were we talking about? Oh, Isaac Asimov. Yeah, we should probably read the the <laughs> Foundation trilogy at some point. The only thing about that though is because I think it's like the the Foundation trilogy, and then there's like a, a series, pre- a, a prequel. Well, yeah, a prequel to the uh, Foundation, and I think there might be like a sequel to the Foundation too. You're right. We should do Dune instead. Oh, well, I mean that is something that I would want to check out, but it's like. I know that the guy himself never finished it before dying, and that his son picked up the reins. And, and that just shit is from what I've heard. I don't know. I only read the first one, and I was like, I can't read anymore because this is all I'll do, and it'll be 15 mm-hmm. volumes of Doom. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a mega series guy. I could do a trilogy. I can do a tetralogy. That's probably the line. It would have to be really good for me to want to read more than that. And the Dune first one is so political. Yeah, I can't read that kind of stuff that much, you know. That the the fact that it was in space made it kind of cool. So I was like, and they had the giant worms. So I was like, all right, I could do this. We got the Arrakis and the fucking people that drink their own pee. I can get along with this for a little bit, but I don't think I could do multiple books of this. So I don't honestly, I don't think Dune would be up your alley, Spencer. No, it's like it's, it's too political. Too political. I mean, it's interesting. You know what it is? It's gonna sound very pedantic. It's like a Shakespearean play, not the way it's written, but just the the setup and all like that has very like entertaining bouts of action and it's written beautifully, but it also has like such dryness to it. Like think of like some of Shakespeare's really dry, not even the dialogue, just like what's going on. You just don't give a shit. I, I always and you know, I I haven't read it, so maybe you can tell me, is there like Long bouts of like maybe like a description of things that you really don't even need to know about or like you you know uh, like that kind of stuff to because it's a it's a thick book right in Dune I didn't find the descriptions boring because Frank Herbert was a good writer but also as you know I do tend to be more forgiving of boring prose like I don't mind that kind of stuff 
Some people I could see would well, fall asleep. Like, remember, I said people felt that way about Lord of the Rings, and I didn't understand. I just thought, well, maybe not, or just maybe what, what I mean more meant was, like, uh, just, like, longer, like, you know, like, yeah. saying, like, using ten words to explain something that you could use three words to, like, explain, you know, then not necessarily dry or boring, but just, like... Verbose. Yeah. I, I, or kind of like how, uh, uh, um, R.R. Token, like, I've heard, like... R.R. Token? R.R. Token. Yes. <laughs> Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, no, no, I did say. What blasphemy just came out of your mouth? Oh, Martin? God. Martin, that- yeah. Like, I've heard, like, he will, like, describe the food on the table for, like, a page and a half. And, like, it can be re- written greatly, and, like, it's not necessarily hard to read, but it's just, like, why do I need to know about this? The, the suppleness of the steak and... From this- what I remember, Frank Herbert didn't do that. Dude, actually, the pace I thought was good throughout... Okay. Here's the thing about people like George R. R. Martin, not Tolkien. Not Tolkien. Because Tolkien didn't do that. Tolkien was great. He's perfect. He's the best who ever did it. <laughs> the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Fucking right. <laughs> I wish he had like an Excelsior where we could shout out. <laughs> I don't know anything uh, Tolkien's that would be good for that. But what was I saying? Oh, so like a, I haven't read George R. R. Martin, so I can't say if this is true. But just your description of somebody describing the food for a page. Because I uh, remember who we, uh, Alan we used to work with. He read it, and that's yeah, they, yeah, that's what he was. He's like, it's good, but like sometimes there's like this long period of like shit you just don't need to. My thoughts are always, don't write about it if it doesn't add to the story or it's not necessary to the story. If you're describing the food in that way because it turns out it's poisoned, yeah, okay. If you're describing that food in the way because you're trying to do some kind of maybe a alleg- like starving or something, yeah, you're trying to do some kind of allegory to poverty and how these people were eating like royalty, but then outside people are starving. Okay, or if you're just doing it to show gross excess or greed, gluttony, or gluttony. There's a lot of things you could do with that, but if you're just doing it because it sounds pretty and it adds to your work count, no. Put it this way, Spencer, we have numerous things on our fancy podcast table. I can describe them. You know, if I was writing a story about me doing the podcast, I could describe the wood grain and the staining I did and the oils in it and the teak oil. And I can describe my Chromebook, how it's not necessarily silver. It's almost a rose, but it's dirty. Like, I could just go on about the smudges on my laptop. I could talk about how you fucking, I don't know, love butt sex. Whatever. I could just go on and on about details, but then it doesn't add to the story. And people are like, what the fuck is this story even about again? So I don't I don't really particularly like reading things that have nonsense descriptions like that. Mm. I don't know about you. Maybe you love it. You probably love it. Probably. You know, since we bring him up every episode now. Haruki Mirakami, that is my one gripe with him, especially his longer works, is he will overly describe classic music or some kind of composition or even making spaghetti, often to the detriment of the story because... You want to get to the cool parts, but then you're like, this guy's been making spaghetti for three pages. Why? And especially, like, if you've read his other stuff, you're like, you know his recipe for spaghetti already. Yeah. Like, And it's not... I haven't read any of his books where I found it took me out of the story. or Because you read, like, even in those books we did recently, it wasn't long enough to bother you. But in some other works, I know it's not necessarily that he writes them... Like, the guy's not making spaghetti for multiple pages. He might only be a paragraph. But the guy's... Even when we did um, not hear the wind sing, the pinball 73, 
there were so many scenes about their fucking coffee. Yeah, oh yeah. And it was cool because it was very short, and most of the time it was only a sentence or two that, oh, yeah, and then they make great coffee. And then they're drinking great coffee. It was kind of like a break in between yeah. paragraphs. But when you have one of his longer novels, and it's like the same shit where it's like, oh, and now he's mixing his Manhattan. Oh, two pages later, he's mixing another Manhattan. It's like, we get it. He drinks. Mm. <laughs> like, we don't need 10 chapters where you have to describe his fucking Manhattan mirror comedy. We don't need to know about his spaghetti dinner five times in this book. Because yeah, ideally, you'd be like, oh, I mentioned in one time on how he likes his Manhattan. So then, then you can just bring up. He, he's, he's having, having a Manhattan. That's but, it. And, but you don't have to go into like his the mix and like the percentage of how the poor and all that mm. stuff. It's like the we know perfect already. carving of the ice cube. Yeah, we know that already. Just tell us we're having. He's having another one. Yeah, he does that from time to time. And like every book, I think I've read of him of his, he's had multiple scenes of something that I'm just like, all right, I understand. Mm. We don't need this anymore. I don't need you to discuss the transmission of this fucking car again. Mm. I, I got it the first time he drove the car. I don't need it the next three times. We get it. It's a manual. He has to drive in the fucking stick shift, and the radio plays whatever song he likes. I get it. But there's plenty worse uh, examples of that. And you know who comes to mind? Who? Not for overly describing that kind of stuff, just for verboseness. And I feel like kind of a dick now after learning more about him. But Joseph Conrad's The Heart of Darkness. Remember I read that years ago? And it was, I, I think it's familiar. only, I feel like it's a novella length, but it took me like a month or three to get through the fucking thing. It was so goddamn verbose for no reason. It pissed me off. But then I found out that Joseph Conrad, I think English was like his fifth language. Oh, wow. He spoke like all these other languages before English. So I'm like, wow, I'm just a dipshit, I guess. But it's like, why, why does, the, I hate when things are so ver- verbose for no reason. Like David Foster Wallace, you don't need to use them words. Mm. You didn't need those words. Use better words. So that is the message of DPW as we exit the podcast studio, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Use better words. Yes. Always use the best words. And sometimes the best words are only four letters long. Yes. And that is okay. When somebody says, I don't even know who would say this. Usually writers to themselves. Mm. You sit there and go, oh, I need to, these words are too short. I'm using such basic language. Is the story good? Is it told in a way that's engaging and entertaining? Are the words the best words you've used? Yeah. Or could they be better? If you find you're looking in the thesaurus, not because you're just looking for a word you can't remember, but because you're looking for a word just to punch it up, Mm. it's probably not the best word. Nope. So anyway, folks, do with that info as you will. I am your wonderful host, and I am taking a month off. A month? No, I'm not. I wish I could. Fucking stuck in this stupid studio. Never get out of here. How do you get out of here? Like you, you open the curtain, you walk upstairs, and you're just walking right back into the curtain. Yeah. It's weird. So what was I gonna say? I forgot the outro. That's why I'm running. <laughs> Twitter, yeah. yeah. And if you want to follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at DPW Podcast. Spencer, do you want to give us? Because I don't remember what your thing was. No, Spencer, you can follow him on his OnlyFans at the Malaysian Manimal Muncher. Church. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought we were going with the... the or bad. you could be no. the Martian... Ma- no, you were the Martian yeah, Manable yeah, yeah. Muncher. Yeah, and then... The, the one you reminded me of was the Malaysian <laughs> Man Molester. Yeah. <laughs> well, which is it? The Martian. I'd rather be Martian... Martian... 
mandibles. I think you would get more money if you were molesting a dude on your podcast or I on your OnlyFans. But the, there's the crime involved in that. Yeah, I guess you can't have consensual molestation. Well, I mean, it's a man, so I mean, it's not gonna. It, it's man on man, so nobody would care. Still sexual rap. Yeah, I yeah, guess nobody would care though. Who's gonna believe it? Yeah. <laughs> If you want to follow my work that doesn't deal with molestation, you can go to calebjamesk.com. I haven't posted any news stories recently. I'm still waiting back on some submissions, but the work is coming like George R. R. Martin's Dragons. They will be here eventually, and then when they do finally come, you will probably be disappointed in the outcome of said Dragons adventures. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will check you next week with probably a real episode. Hopefully not. Thank you.